It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, I'm worried driving the car with Oxley and CT test. I'm not going to give this any more credence. I'm not going to let the person win. I will not be a victim. We have nothing to put the patient onto, so they're safer on an ambulance trolley. What I did in the morning, TJ, is crack. It's like yarding. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ. Cox96 Hello, Monday morning. We're on the final countdown into the Corks 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon, which means our opinion line week is, to use a posh word, a little truncated in that normal service Monday to Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday we go into Radiothon mode. So we gotta get five days work done in three, which is gonna make us really busy the next couple of mornings. Good morning to you. He's back. I'm delighted he's back. I've seen this fellow before. We got an email, was it Friday morning, that there's a gentleman playing the violin outside Brown Thomas, uh, that he is nothing short of amazing. He should be in an orchestra. Who is he? Do people know him? This came into us Friday. We were so busy we didn't get to it. I've seen this guy before. And I'm glad he's back, because he is, you're dead right, whoever sent that email in. He's fantastic. And he always takes a little bow whenever people applaud him, which they do quite quite frequently. He's fantastic. There's another guy as well, um, a chap who sings Irish ballads with a gorgeous baritone voice. Um, he's a person of colour. He'd be down there. Last time I saw him was last summer down at the junction of maybe Princess Street and and Alpunk Street there. And I heard, I was in getting something done on my phone or something inside in, in Connolly's place one Saturday morning and I heard this most extraordinary baritone voice singing an Irish ballad. And I looked down and there's, no, that doesn't sound, he's there. And the violinist, I'm glad he's back because he's, he's wonderful, 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 wonderful. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I want you to think, if you're the parents of teenagers, how you feel about them having a drink. There's a survey that's been done of 4,500 teenagers and when they do a survey that big, uh, the results are stuff you can kind of rely on. So I'll tell you about that. But 
teenagers have discovered in the last number of years that their parents are more comfortable with the idea of them having a drink and maybe even the idea of them being drunk. I'll come to that in a little while. But first, uh, to the courts, and this was a shocking case which we covered at the time as a news story in January of 2022. A vicious assault on a young woman uh, in the Turner's Cross area. Uh, Absolutely vicious assault. And we learned very quickly that the assailant at the time was a very young person. In fact, it was only 13 at the time. He's now just gone 15. And he was jailed, or sent rather, to Oberstown, children's detention campus when he appeared in court last Friday. Now, the content of what I'm about to talk about could be somewhat difficult and disturbing. Um, I'm going to talk to Maureen Tuig, our news reporter from Course 96FM, who was in court for this very distressing case. Uh, Maureen, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Give us the details of what happened here. Yeah, so PJ, this happened on January 29th of 2022 and the injured party, a young woman, she was walking home alone late from a night out. She was out for a friend's birthday and uh, she realised that somebody was right behind her. And I suppose the, the, the now 15-year-old boy, as you said, he was 13 at the time and can't be identified because he is a juvenile. He had pleaded guilty to assault causing harm, but he had denied sexually assaulting the young woman at Evergreen Street. But a jury at Cork Circuit Criminal Court uh, last month found him guilty of of sexual assault. So the woman had told the jury that she was so badly kicked in the face that the facial recognition app on her phone, or you know, when you go to unlock yeah. her, her yeah. phone, it failed to recognize her. And he'd repeatedly kicked her in the face, dragged her along the ground by her hair. And she, she lay face down on the footpath. Now, there was passer, passers-by uh, came upon on, upon the scene. And one witness told the court that the boy initially acted um, as, as if he was helping the female who was in a, a highly distressed state. Wow. It's just, um, did he know her? Does he know who she is at the time? Did, did they know each other at all? It didn't appear that that he knew her at all. It's just that, you know, she was walking home late from a night out. It happened at around 11.25pm on on the night of the the 29th of January. She was walking home alone and she just felt that there was somebody behind her and then she realised that there was somebody behind her. And that was, you know, it was so shocking to hear that her face was so badly injured that when she did get out her phone to try and contact her parents, that, you know, her, her phone, her facial recognition, it didn't even recognise her. Now, she um, made a, a, she read out her own victim impact statement to the court and she said, you know, that, that she found and she still finds sleeping really difficult and that she, you know, she'd lie awake in bed thinking about what had happened. And she also said, you know, that no matter where she goes now, her parents, they won't fall asleep until she's home. Um, But she did say that what happened has changed her, but she said that she knows that she won't let it control her forever. And she also said, PJ, that the assault has affected her personal relationships. She said she finds it hard to hug or to be close to male friends or family members. You know, she said she used to be the opposite, that the idea of having a romantic relationship in the near future makes her feel physically uncomfortable and that she feels extremely anxious when passing teenage or young boys for a minute. She said her heart starts to race and her chest feels really tight. <laughs> And there's not a day goes by, she said, that she doesn't think of it or come across something that makes her think of it. You really would be so sorry 
so sorry for her. Did defence have anything to say for for the young man? Yeah, so Siobhan Langford was the defence senior counsel. And I suppose when, when sentencing or when Judge Catherine Staines was to make her decision, she just said, you know, she asked for a suspended or a deferred sentence in the case. She said there was no denying, you know, the seriousness of the attack. But she said that because the accused was a child at the time, we know he's only 13 years of age and, and is still a child in the eyes of the law, 15 now, that a sentence of detention should only be a matter of last resort. But she said he was never in trouble before or since this attack. But as we know from, from the courts that Judge Catherine Staines uh, described the assault as really vicious, but put an 18-month detention order to Oberstown in place. But before she said that, she, you know, Judge Staines said that a disturbing element is that the accused, you know, has been watching pornography from the age of 11. Mm-hmm. And she said that, you know, she thinks it's truly shocking that, you know, it's available to vulnerable, impressionable young people. And she said that clearly these companies are making vast sums of money from selling pornographic material. And she said that more rigorous restrictions should be imposed on them to prevent this harmful material being made available to young children. All right. It was a shocking case, and I think what made it even more shocking was not the grievous nature of the assault, but the fact that the youngster involved was only 13 at the time, now 15, and sent to Oberstown for 18 months. Uh, Maureen, thank you very much, Maureen Twig, uh, 96 FM News reporter. Support after crimeservices.ie for anyone who needs help. The great Sally will help you there. I can call them at 021-432-0555. A rescue doggy escaped his new owner. Okay, so he was given up by a family. They found him a new home. Yeah. They couldn't keep him for whatever reason. Because he got to his new home and he was like, I'm having none of this. Really? He trekked 65 kilometers and went back to his old family. What? And arrived at the door. But they didn't want So he knocked on the door, scratched on the door, they opened the door. And they were like, no, we... No, we got rid of He's like, I'm back, guys. I'm back. And they're like, we, 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 we don't want you. He's probably wagging his little tail. Reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> they kept dropping you no off. No matter how far they went, I walked back from Donegal once. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at Null DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. This is the Opinion Live. With PJ Coogan. There was so much to enjoy in the world of sport over the weekend, wasn't there? I mean, if you look at La Roche Shell, what a fantastic match. Wasn't that a brilliant game of rugby? La Roche Shell beating Leinster. I, I, I thought whoever came up with that is a genius. La Roche Shell, fantastic. Then to watch Cork and Clare and Tip and Limerick yesterday. I mean, tell me again why you think soccer is, is, the, is the beautiful game. Hurling played at that level and that speed and that quality and that excitement yesterday. That is the real beautiful game. So much to, to talk about in sport at the weekend. But bad news breaking Friday. Um, Tony O'Connell, chair of the committee of the Cork City Sports. The 70th annual Cork City Sports cancelled, Tony. Why? Good morning. 
Oh, PJ, I, I'm, uh, I'm really kind of uh, disappointed, like all the committee. Of course. It, so much hard work has gone in there for the last 12 months, and we really had, uh, had everything going. It's the 70th event as well, 70 years this year. And uh, we It's are, a huge international festival. It's a hugely respected international event. Yes, it is. Yeah, and we've had we've had athletes from all nearly thirty countries uh, on an annual basis taking part in Cork and at the MTU. And like, it is so disappointing to be honest with you. We had only the meeting on on Friday, but we were monitoring the thing very closely. And this new track that's going down at the uh, at the uh, MTU is just unbelievable stuff. Like that. it will be the t- the best track in the country, if not in Europe, actually, when it is finished. Wow. The problem is the technical side of things that that contractor was doing. They actually could not get it finished on time. There was a few things. Uh, there was shortage of material, and there was the usual things that go on. But like we thought that we'd get there. It's the twentieth of July was supposed to be the event, but at the end of the day. It was just no way that the at least the earliest they could actually have this finished would be the middle or the end of July or the end of August. So therefore, there was no alternative only to cancel. I'd like to be responsible to our sponsors, and we are delighted because we had all our sponsors contacted over the weekend. And in all fairness, they have guaranteed that they'll be staying with us, which is a great news at least. Mm. And the thing about it is that the MTU were so disappointed as well. I mean, okay. it wasn't their fault or overall. It was just a technical problem with the contractor. And this is a kind of um, a specialist kind of contractor that does this type. Doesn't oh, yeah. every fellow can come out and lay no, a track no. like that? You know, the the thing that comes no. to mind, Tony, and that sprung to my mind over the weekend is what about the Mardike? Because it, it used to be at the Mardike for years. Oh, yes, it would. But the reason we left the Mardike, actually, PJ, was that actually the European Athletics condemned the UCC track as a, as a proper track for international. And then again, you know, they had the hockey pitch in the centre of the UCC track, which was not conducive to the kind of uh, um, field events. I see. Likes of the so it's just events. not so suitable anymore. It's just not suitable. No, 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 not suitable. So like in reality, that was the reason we moved to MTU about 10, 12 years ago. And like that's the now in all fairness to you to say they've offered this to us, but the track is not in the best of condition there either. And you know when you're putting on this this is now a world athletics event. Oh yeah. And a world, a world athletics event isn't. Uh, it does a lot of regulations and stipulations. We would have people coming here. Correct me if I'm wrong. People are coming here in preparation for Olympics, in preparation for Worlds, Europeans. We're talking yes. the elite. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, we've had the best of athletes compete there over the years. And we had some uh, Joe Hartnett, who's our meet director at the moment. He has even signed up about nearly a uh, hundred athletes for this year's event. So that it, in all fairness to them, it's terrible to be, yeah. be going back and telling them to kind of, you know, sorry, we are not on this year. But R- we have, R- we remind have us, get- Tony, for, for people who mightn't be overly familiar, younger listeners say, who mightn't be overly familiar with the incredible history of the mm-hmm. sport. Remind me of some of the household names who have come and oh, done sure, their like thing. You, we have, you go back to the, you have the Sanya Sullivans of the world, you have to say number one, they had the Devil O'Rourke's, you had all the Marcus O'Sullivan's, and you had all the, the, the people from across the water, Ainsley Bennett, all these people who have competed in the sports over the years. It was amazing, like the people that did actually run here. Mm. You know, we had Castus Amenia last year and, and, and stuff like that as yes. well. So, like, we've had the cream of athletes participating here. 
And like the idea, people asked us before, you know, why do we put on such an event like that every year and put ourselves through this as a voluntary group, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is not, there's no salaries paid to any of our community <laughs> here. But like in, in reality, like you're talking about, putting on an event like that is superb, like for a, a, a voluntary group. And in all fairness to the likes of the city council and the county councils and Athletics Ireland and all these people that have supported us over the years, this is what it's all about. And we put it on for one reason, and that's to show that like the younger people coming up, like you have the the young hurdlers seen the match yesterday, they'll be taking up the hurdlers today, mm-hmm. and you have all the people then the same in athletics at that level. You have the same; they'll be taking up the sport of athletics. And athletics, you know, is is the basis of all sports. You have to be an athlete of some sort or other to become any a, 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 a sports person. So, like in reality. We're, we're so disappointed with all the work that we have actually put into this. Terrible. And I know I know actually that um, we will be back in, in July next year. We're, we're just waiting for the date from Athletics. I, I was thinking that, Athletics. Tony. Next year is an Olympic year. The, the Olympics, if yes. I'm correct, are starting in Paris around the 24th of July next year. That's right, yeah. So we, we're hoping to be on the first week or second week of July next year. And uh, that's why we're waiting for the uh, uh, European Athletics to confirm the date for yeah. us for that. And I, you may be sure that the people of Cork, and we're, as a present committee that are there, all the, the team there, we're staying on and making sure that the 70th Cork City Sports will be A1 again. You'll, you'll have some race card next year, Tony, a couple of weeks out from yes. the Olympics. That's right. Unbelievable, wow. like really. Wow. Yeah, well, I'm so, so, I'm so I, I know how much I know how much you and the committee put into this, and I know that you yourself are gutted, and everybody else is, and we're gutted for you. And it's just something that couldn't have been avoided. But you will be back in 2020. Four. We will be back in uh, bigger and better than ever, as they say. All That's right. our plan. So, Good like night. the head, is, the head is down already. So, PJ, and thank you to you and, and all the team there as well. Cheers. That's Tony O'Connell, chairman of the committee of the Cork City Sports, and there's a big committee there. They've been at this for a very, very long time. I'm gutted for them because it's a great event. It's a great night out, and the stars of the world come to Cork. And next year, being an Olympic year, with the Olympics starting in Paris around the 24th of July next year. What a feast of athletics there will be out there when it comes back, when that track is sorted. 0818-969696. Actually, sports journalist Joe Seward is next to join me. Joe, you'll probably have your own comment to make on the, the cancellation of the sport. But moreover, you were at the cork Clare game yesterday. What an extraordinary game of hurling. So enjoyable. But it was... You tweeted about the behaviour of some some supporters on the train, which was unfortunate. Good morning. Good morning. PJ, yeah, it was um, on the uh, early train, actually, as the, the A25 train that left Cork. Unusually, um, uh, you often see maybe boisterous supporters on the way back, having had a few beers, but there was a number of supporters um, caused an incident heading into Limerick um, with a, a fire extinguisher or alarm and uh, ultimately the train had to be delayed 20-25 minutes over that um, maybe some of these supporters had been out from the previous night mm-hmm, um, possibly you know watching the Katie Taylor fight there was a lot of sport on Saturday but um, considering it was so early in the morning uh, there was quite a few of them they were quite young they, they were the worst for wear and uh, I wouldn't like to have seen them maybe later in the day but uh, generally speaking the bulk of the Cork supporters as always really well behaved probably the best supporters in the country people talk about Mayo supporters 
uh, being maybe at the top of the three, but I, I would have to say the supporters generally, um, you know, for their loyalty and the way they travel in volume are excellent. Uh, so that was a, an isolated incident, really. Yeah. In, in, in terms of the travelling support, Cork were very well supported yesterday, as always in Ennis. Yeah, it's a small venue. There was 18,000 and it was full to capacity yesterday. Um, Clare supporters can be really good too when things are going well. I think the one thing about supporters, even when Cork aren't going well, the supporters turn out in volumes for the hurlers. And this present hurling team seems to have kind of won a place in the heart of Cork supporters because, you know, they, you know, the interest at the moment is phenomenal. And I'm sure there'll be another huge Cork support next weekend in, in the Gaelic grounds for the crucial game that is Limerick. so crucial that week that, there's something about that Cork team Joe it's as if there's a spark back there's an excitement back that Cork are on the verge of another maybe good stretch yeah I suppose there's a nice blend now of youth and experience a new management team as well and a, a number of the you know the under 20 team that won back to back titles under the current manager um, Pat Ryan you know they won two all Ireland in, in a calendar year at under 20 so there's a nice blend allied then to the the experienced heads like Patrick Horgan who was still our chief talisman yesterday yeah. Seamus Harnady and you know the likes of Conor Han, who probably didn't have one of his better games yesterday but there's a lovely blend of um, experience Yeah, You wouldn't doubt how he'd score like he did would you? That they that goal. No. <laughs> Incredible goal and um you know he was he was a, a thorn in, in Clare's side all through. Missed the penalty of course, but uh, Decky Dalton to be commended for yeah. following up with a, a swift response. So it was a it was a cracking game. I think maybe on the balance of what we saw, Clare just about deserved it, but Cork's resilience has been a trademark under under uh, Pat Ryan all through the campaign since yeah. the Monster Hurling League and National Hurling League. They they've been showing great fight games where they've gone behind that was evident against Tipperary as well recently yeah two cracking games yesterday actually because the other the other the other match was a stormer as well played in awful conditions but disappointing to see that early morning drunkenness but look you you mentioned the Katie Taylor maybe they were up all night watching Katie Taylor <laughs> it possibly was because Saturday was such a day for sport it was an incredible weekend of sport really um uh, what would we do without sport you know you had Katie Taylor you had the Lara Shell come back ah, against Joe, Leinster La Raj Shell Rochelle, yeah. uh, so I would say despite the fact that you know, some Irish people would have been cheering Leinster there was a, a bit of a jibe going around that all the other provinces were uh, completely behind La Rochelle and, and particularly maybe some Munster supporters but it was a, that was a cracker yeah. it was a, there was a feast of sport you had uh, La Rochelle's win Man City winning the league the US PGA in golf and of course the boxing day was incredible and um, Probably one of the great occasions, I, I would say, in Irish sport. I mm. think a few years, many years ago there, Ireland won a Grand Slam and I think Bernard Dunn fought the same night and it was almost a kind That's of a right. carbon I copy remember night. It. I yeah. remember it, I remember it. But just while I have you there, it's a talking point over the weekend, yesterday in the papers. What do you think Katie Taylor should do now? I know she will probably get, a, she will have a rematch in her contract against Chantelle Cameron and I, I don't fancy Cameron's chances of beating her twice. There are some people saying Katie should know she's 36 years of age. She's still an undisputed lightweight champion. She should just hang up her gloves now and retire. What do you think? Um, I'm sure she'd love to fight maybe one more time on home soil and, and maybe get a victory. That was that would have been the goal. Maybe there was a little bit of naivety. Maybe she could have picked a, an easier opponent for the she homecoming. Could she could have. Um, and, and it's to her credit that she did take on you know somebody at a... Historically in boxing, there's been a trend in, in rematches 
that generally the person who wins first time round wins again. It's it's been well documented by a lot of astute boxing commentators. We saw it many years ago when Steve Collins fought Chris Eubank. That's right. Everybody thought Eubank would win the rematch, but. Uh, Collins replicated the defeat. The, the so very often it happens. I, I would actually fancy Cameron to beat her again. I thought she won maybe more comfortably than the margin. One of the judges um, must have been watching a different fight because I think she won clearly by a couple of rounds. She, cert- she certainly dominated enough rounds to win. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that, it, not too many people have ever done that with Katie Taylor. She was unique no. in that way. You know, she don't. Yeah, and t- t- Taylor did respond well. You have to give her credit. Oh, she's fantastic. And, but it was, it was a fantastic fight and an amazing occasion. Certainly would have loved to have been there. Mm. Um, maybe the one thing that there was a lot of uh, rhetoric about afterwards was Conor McGregor yeah. maybe trying to steal the show ringside, uh, which didn't endear himself to everybody on social yeah. media. No, no better Google to try that, Joe. Listen, leave it. Thank you, Joe Seward, sports journalist, but disappointed by some of the... And he's only a small number of fans. Although, in response to Joe's tweet, uh, this came back, John O'Neill. Uh, never seen so many Cork young fellas ossified. Many were on their the spirits on their way to the game, pouring vodka into orange bottles. Some of them, obviously, on other stuff too. Uh-uh. So many teachers were out. Or so many teenagers teach. How did they get the te- so many teenagers out of their minds? They were all very well behaved, though, as one expects from GA supporters. So what John is saying there is, yeah, they might have been pissed, but they weren't actually up to any mischief, which is good to see. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six to Joe, the wonderful Joe at Joe's Hair Salon, Dashing Road. They had their eighties do on. Friday um, for the Radiothon because they won't be able to do anything this weekend because they're busy with weddings and stuff. But on Friday, they ran an 80s day at Joseph's Hair Salon in Glasheen and they raised a thousand euro. Now, here, isn't that some start? We are now just, I remember mentioning. God, it seems like yesterday that we were 68 days away from the start of Radiothon. We're now less than 68 hours away from the start of the Corks 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Kicks off 6 o'clock Thursday morning, May 25th, raising funds for Cork Cancer Services. We need as much help as we can get. We know you'll give it to us. You always do. Do us a coffee break at home, at work, wherever you want. Get them loose coins. I know we don't use as much cash as we used to, but they're around somewhere. Get them into a box and collect them for us. We have a jersey day on Friday. Put on your favourite jersey. I'm sure there'll be some people around town this morning looking for La Rochelle jerseys to wear on Sunday. Just do whatever you can to raise us some money. Uh, for the Corks 96 of M Giving for Living Radio starts May 25th this coming Thursday only on Corks 96 FM by the way Abbeville Veterinary Clinic were on to me over the weekend they have a big raffle and a big event coming up to do with Radiothon and a few more people sent me messages I'll get to them all they're starting to come in now stuff that's been arranged thanks to Trevor Fitz who tells me that up at the top of the hill on Saturday, they're doing a chest waxing night, if you don't mind. And all money raised there will go to the Course 96 of M, giving for living radiothon. We are almost there. 
0818969696. There was a demonstration on Saturday in support of the ongoing campaign for the reopening of the fire station in Ballincollig. It was organised by the Ballincollig Fire Station Campaign Group. And our Raid went along and spoke to some of the people who turned out for that protest event. My name is John Walsh. I'm a firefighter in Cork City Fire Brigade for 28 years. So, I suppose, John, you might give us your, your thoughts on the situation at the moment in regards to Ballincollig. Well, simply, it's there was a retained fire station here when the Ballancolic was in the county and when the city boundary extended Ballancolic was brought into the city they had a retained fire service and luckily a few of the lads who were retained were successful in getting full-time jobs in the city and then since then they haven't been able to recruit retained firefighters out here so it's empty and it's closed. Can you see the reason behind why it's hard to get retained firefighters? Absolutely, because it's just not working for people. In the olden days, when you were part of a village and you worked in the village, you were able to drop everything and go when your bleeper went off. These days, people don't work in the village anymore, but all the multinationals around, you're working out of the village, you're working in the city, you're working down Ring of Skiddy, places like that, and employers won't allow you to do that anymore. Where do you see it going from here? Well, the city have to listen. Ballancolic is a huge catchment area. It's a big, big town, over 20,000, and add the likes of Farn, Fernands, etc., etc. You're well talking in excess of 28,000 people. It needs a service. It needs a service to be operating full-time because this station not only will serve Ballancolic, it will serve Farron, Ovens, Fernands, Ovens, all the way down as far as Crookstown. It will service everything from here to Bishopstown to Wilton to Toker to out to Bendon Road. So it's not just calls in the Ballancolic area, it's multiple calls for the whole city. We've heard about the, the I suppose, the call time or the time it takes to come out from the city is at around 12 minutes. Um, what does that mean to you as firefighters trying to get out here knowing that there is opportunity to have a base out here? It's terrible. It's very disappointing that uh, the City Council don't listen. It would be a fantastic asset to have out here because with the with the, with the boy roads and with the ring roads you can get access to anywhere in the city so fast from here. So not only just serving Ballancolic but serving back into the city as well. Having the support of the community, what does that mean? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I applaud them. They recognise the fact that they were promised an equal to a better service. They haven't received that. And they're standing up for themselves. And sooner or later, this, the political establishment have to take notice of this, that this is needed in Ballancolic. This should be the future going forward. Everything around the city rather than inside the city. So you service the city from the outside in on the roads. My name is Miriam Hork and I'm living in Ballancolic and we're here today demonstrating because the fire brigade station in Ballancolic is closed and um, it's a pity because there's a lot of people depending on it. There's people from Bishopstown, Ovens, Farn, Tower, Blarney and that's a huge population. We're just trying to get the fire brigade station open and we're here now to just highlight it today. So we're just hoping people will get behind us and businesses and everything. And uh, last Monday night there was a road traffic accident up by the Gwaleskull and Ballancolic and it was only a stone throw from the Ballancolic fire brigade station and they had to get two trucks there. They were directing the traffic until the guards came. And then there was another fire in Douglas, so they had to get a fire brigade 
truck from Cargillane for that and there was another problem in CUH so in fairness we really do need the fire brigade station open because by the time the fire brigade personnel come out from Cork the fires have taken hold in the places and it's more dangerous then for the fire brigade personnel going into those buildings so it's not fair to them either risking their lives I mean to be fair to their families they're worried about them now as well risking their lives going into fires that would be more dangerous if they get there later my name is Kieran McCarthy. Um, I am a resident in Ballacolic, um, and uh, I'm down here to, to to show my support for the firefighters today. The history of this dispute was that the fire station was manned by retained firefighters, and as things happened, uh, full-time positions became available, and the retained firefighters applied for these full-time positions and subsequently got them and moved to Anglesey Street um, to replace them. The city council attempted to um, recruit more retained firefighters. The terms and conditions were that you had to do this for 12 grand a year you had to live and work within 2 kilometres of the fire station which is not possible in this day and age unfortunately, you look at the, the, the cost of rent in Ballancolig, it's 2,700 a month uh, on average um, and then to try and find a, a willing employer who would let you uh, up sticks uh, and leave uh, and work within two kilometres of the station perhaps to come back late, perhaps not to come back uh, it wasn't possible. So they ran that com- uh, campaign and they got a sum total of uh, zero um, uh, uh, positions filled as a result. So having done that they did the exact same thing again and that, that competition is currently open and that's where we're at now um, the firefighters there's there's been a, a a disinterest in listening to the expertise of the firefighters. They haven't been listened to on this. Um, they will tell you that um, that having an empty fire station out here is putting them in danger. It's putting us in danger. Um, the old response times were quite were quite low with the retained firefighters. But for the guys to come in from Anglesey Street with the best will in the world, it's adding an extra uh, twelve minutes onto it. And we have this open. We have this station there, which is which is um, purpose built. It's only about 20 years old and there's nobody in it. Uh, we've had b- various figures bandied around about the cost to recruit people and, and man the station. And I'd really like to, to ask the executive of the, the city council what figure exactly they'd like to put on a tragedy. That's a great point. And the even better point made during that, I think that's the same contributor. Did they listen to the firefighters? Like if you want to know about a fire station and how it should be run and how it should be staffed, and how it should be operated. Talk to the firefighters. They're the people who know it. Do you know, it's a bit like building a hospital without asking doctors what they need or nurses what they need. Putting a fire station, operating a fire station, deciding how to manage a fire station without asking the firefighters what they need is is something along the same lines. See where this is going to get bigger because there's an announcement now that the retained firefighters across the country are planning industrial action next month. SIP2 says a campaign of industrial action will get underway from June 6th, that's just after the holiday weekend. Uh, it's a dispute again over the recruitment and retention. They just can't get them. Uh, members will now only respond to emergency calls. They will not cooperate with training or with drills. Then there'll be a series of rolling work stoppages to begin on June 13th, followed by an all-out strike on June 20th if the dispute isn't resolved. And there's almost 2,000 of these retained firefighters 
uh, members of SIP2 across 200 stations around the country. These are the people who carry a beeper. These are not full-time firefighters. These are the people who carry a beeper, who walk off their job to go and attend to a fire um, on call. They're the retained firefighters and there's serious dispute now between them and the fire service, between SIP2 and the fire service, which could result in an all-out strike by late June. That's something nobody wants to see. PJ, a quick shout-out to the fire brigade outside Ballyvalan protesting. I'm assuming that's Friday, is it? Or was it today? Is it going on at the moment? Fair play to them. 0818969696. Can we mention talking so much about sport, St. Anthony's Ski and a Skull hurling team are in the final at Parky Cueve this morning. Good luck to you all. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 FM. Mentioned to Joe Seward there when we're talking about various sporting events of the weekend. Joe was talking about the level of drunkenness headed for the match in, in Ennis, but that most of the fans, to be fair, as always, GAA fans are, I would say, without question, GAA fans are about the best behaved fans of them all. Uh, possibly second place only to rugby or up there with rugby for fans who can just enjoy the day. But anyway, besides the point, Joe and myself also brought up the subject of Katie Taylor and very disappointing to see her defeated Saturday night by Chantel Cameron. She could have picked an easier opponent for her homecoming bout, but she didn't. She went up a weight division, took on another multiple champion in Chantel Cameron and didn't come out on the right side of it. She has an opportunity to fight her again under her contract, whether she will or whether she won't. I'm sure we'll find out soon. Um, But John, you just don't get female boxing at all. Morning. No, morning to yourself. Um, Probably you won't be too popular, no, as the villain says, I'm going to say next, but why why should you? Wouldn't be your first time. Yeah, exactly. We'll go for it anyway. Um, Katie Taylor, uh, she's a lovely person. Like I mean, she's a Christian like myself, and you know, a very good living person, right? So I respect that part of who she is. But I'm sorry, like as the girls, the professional boxing side, I don't. I think it's an abomination. Two women going into the ring, punching the head off each other. I didn't watch the fight because I wouldn't pay for you for anything. But I saw in Sky News last night to show the clips of it there, and it was brutal. Like I mean, the, especially the head shots again. And we all know what happened to Muhammad Ali. There was a study done there in England not so long ago that more than six or two professional boxers had serious injuries, brain injuries, 16 years after they finished in the ring. So, Is it boxing you have a problem with or female boxing? Well, the, uh, I, I'm not a fan of any boxing, but I think if I had to, to have a higher picking order, I would come down on the female boxing more. Why? Like, if there was two girls tore the head off each other and Patrick says Sahada Night now and people are standing on filming and it, and it, it turned out to be a horrific beating you'll be talking about this this morning to me there is no difference one is unlicensed toggery the other is licensed ah, toggery John John I'm sorry you're what going to, so what you're, what you're saying here is you're saying that two women getting stuck in each other outside Abracababra at 3 o'clock in the yep. morning yep. and people standing around filming you are going to equate that in your mind to two professional athletes getting into the ring to use their very highly developed level of skill. The, the highly de- developed level of skill to thump 
the head of each other. No, no, you're going to equate one with the other. Oh, well, most definitely. And only for, the third, only for the third person in the ring, call the referee. He then has to step in, and he only steps in if he deems that it's necessary that one fighter... No, he steps in public. because there's a very... Boxing is one of the most regulated sports. There is a very specific list of rules and laws which must be adhered to. And the job of the referee is to make sure that they are uh, adhered. Uh, well, obviously, if, if, the, if the boxer is in trouble, if he sees they're physically in trouble, that's why he steps in to stop serious injury. Well, no, there's only certain ways you can hit and certain ways you can punch, and you have to be very, well, well, stay well, within the rules. Uh, if you get somebody punches to the head, like, and you get up after one or two counts, like, and you get more punches to the head, like, he'd, he'd stop the fight. Yeah, but p- like, part of boxing, John, is not so much to be punched as to avoid being punched. But there's no boxer. I mean, comes over the ring without getting punched. Indeed, I mean, indeed. And to, 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 to see, like, the great Muhammad Ali, handsome and all as he was, but, I mean, no one saw the abuse he took in his body and his brain, like, I mean, before he became... Ali should have retired years earlier. That's have, yeah. We all know yeah. that. We all know. Yeah. The yeah. great boxers, the, great, the greatest boxers of all time, and I was into boxing, watched a lot of boxing as a kid, um, mm-hmm. you know, and remember watching... Boxing with my dad, you know, greats like Leon Spinks and you mentioned Muhammad Ali and Joe Bugner and George Foreman, all the great boxers. I watched them all. The biggest thing was they should all have retired much earlier. People are saying now about Katie Taylor that maybe she should retire now. She's she's 36. She has nothing left to prove to anybody. But that's that's besides the point. You're you're equating. You're equating. That sport. Mm Mm-hmm. Sport. Well, you're equating it to two fellas or two women poking each other outside a burger joint on I, Saturday. I've, I've seen women fighting over the years. And so have I. Said, you know, yeah, yeah. And it's vicious, like. No, but the whole scenario has changed when it's no film they put up on the internet. And last week was a horrific week for violence towards young people in this, Indeed in this country. Indeed it was. Indeed it was. Horrific. And I can't deem it with billion percent. Right. But and then, you can't this, equate the two, John. You see, just two can't. people going into the ring then, and the same people that they would be appalled if they saw stuff up on the internet about kids being beaten in the street. But, but John, into a you can't equate the two. You can because it's people turning their head off each other, no matter what way you dress it up. One is licensed, one is unlicensed. It's still toggery. No, no, we're not going to agree because yeah. it's you've you've got no point. You're, well, you're, of course you haven't. You're I two have. two professionals, highly trained. Listen to me a minute. Listen to me a minute. Listen to me a minute. Two, listen to me. Two highly trained, highly skilled professionals who work at this all day and all night into an arranged, contracted agreement to go up there and fight for eight, nine, ten, or twelve rounds. You are equating that to a brawl down by the fountain on a Saturday night. Yeah, because the brawl by the fountain, like one person, if they can be stronger or more vicious than the other, will try and, in, and inflict as much damage as they can on the person. And the where were the contracts signed for that it's, brawl? It, no, no, where was the training for that it's, brawl? It's the, it's the same thing as regards the ring. You'll see one fighter will try and inflict as much damage as they can. Well, to John, you know what? Here's the thing. I would say to you this. The, bro- the boxing fraternity of Cork, and it's a large one, and boxing has a great tradition in Cork. The boxing fraternity of Cork will be disgusted with your comments. 
That to me is not sport at all, that's pure tuggery. But you're still going to equate it to I'm still going two to drunks battering each other with... No matter how many times you put the same scenario to me, there is no difference. One is licensed tuggery, the other is unlicensed tuggery. We'll see what people think, John. Uh, 0818969696. To be fair to John, he's never afraid to say it, no matter how... I don't agree with him, I never will agree with him. The idea... That Katie Taylor versus Chantel Cameron, two highly trained professionals, or let's pick two highly trained professional male boxers that are, are amateurs at the highest level. We've and we've loads of them in Cork. John is equating that to people beating the lard out of each other down by the fountain on a Saturday night when they're both full of drink and leery, and someone knocks over the other fellow's fella's chicken supper. That's what John... John is saying one is equal to the other. If anyone can convince me they'll have done a good day's work, but they won't, you know. The myeloma is a treatable, but an incurable blood cancer. So, um, obviously, you can, you know, have your transplants and all that, but there is always the likelihood down the line that uh, you will relapse and you will need further treatment and maybe transplantation again. Must be voodoo you're doing It's pulling me back Just a sip of your potion And my body reacts Feel the chemicals moving It's a matter of fact Every time that you touch me My body reacts The Corks 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon Listen Thursday from 6am On Corks 96FM The minds are live Join the conversation Call 0818 969696 Text or WhatsApp 0833 996 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan Corks 96FM Yeah, weather forecast for the week actually Not too shabby at all Very nice weekend other than the odd very light shower and sun never really broke through but this week looks pretty nice and the weekend looks glorious Friday in particular looks like a humdinger of a day which is good 0818 96 96 96 is the number text to whatsapp 083 396 96 96 you can pop your voice messages in there for us as well with Radio Tom now just 68 hours less than 68 hours away we want you to get involved through the opinion line and we'll have lots of stuff that's been recorded lots of stuff that's been put together for Radiothon team have been working for months to get ready to get together as always and we know that people are planning events planning coffee mornings planning charity fundraisers around the city and county for the Radiothon if you have something coming up that you want us to mention Opinion at 96fm.ie and mark your email 
Radiothon. If you have a story you'd like to tell us about your own cancer journey or your own dealings with any of our five partner charities, CUH, The Mercy, Cork Ark House or Marymount, or if you've been helped through the incredible work of Breakthrough Cancer Research, we want to hear from you. Opinion at 96fm.ie. Just market Radiothon. Get them into us and we'll be on here on Thursday and Friday, 9 till 12. Normal Opinion 9 hours, but of course, Radiothon special uh, Thursday and Friday. So if you'd like to be part of that opinion at 96fm.ie, we will speak to as many of you as we can across the couple of days. And I'll be joined here in Studio One. I'm so delighted we haven't had a chance to work together in the same studio for a very long time. I tell you now, a very long time. Joined by the wonderful Elmarie Ma here on the show for the couple of days, Thursday and Friday. We will come back to John O'Donovan and female boxing and people... I am actually rather shocked at the number of women agreeing with John, uh, John O'Donovan. A number of men too, but I, I, I just I don't get it. Like this sort of we should never. I'll just read one. I'll just read one. It says, "I love watching boxing, but when life began, humans were not supposed to hurt each other. That's a fact. Boxing is entertaining, yes, but it's wrong for two human beings to beat each other. In an ideal peaceful world, this simply wouldn't happen." Two babies born suddenly start beating each other. Your instinct is stop them fighting. From cradle to grave, humans should never behave like this. That is from Noel. Okay, Noel. All right. I'm not too sure where you're going. Ah, come back to it. For now, though, coming back to matters like Stryker, and we've had the two accidents or two incidents in Stryker over the last month or so six weeks or so including that one where the chap was left with very 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 serious injuries I don't know how he is I hope he's doing well and I hope that uh, he's recovering from his injuries a couple of weeks ago but one of the things that emerged in the course of that story was that some parts of Stryker are unionised and some are not. Some striker outlets are unionised and some are not. And that's a very commonplace thing about American companies. It would seem SIP2 have requested urgent meetings with striker management, but the request seems to be falling on deaf ears. Sean Sherlock, Labour Party TD, has asked Simon Coveney, the Minister for Enterprise, to contact striker HQ in the US to see can some movement happen to try to get proper union recognition across the board with Stryker. There are other companies as well. But the particular one is why would one branch of a company have a union agreement and union recognition in place and another one not? Of course, it comes back to the fact that you and I as workers, we all have the right to be members of and be represented by a trade union. I've been a member of the National Union of Journalists since God knows when. Around 1991, I think. I still pay my sub every month. I'm, I'm proudly a member of the NUJ. But we're all entitled to be members of, 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 a, of, a, of a union. But we don't have the entitlement 
to the recognition of that union by our employers. Um, that's where we start, Mick Barry of the Socialist Party. That's the dichotomy in Irish law, isn't it? That we have the right to be members of a union. No one can stop us. But our employers do not have to recognise. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Um, yes, that's correct. Um, I believe that the law should be changed and that we should have uh, what's known as mandatory trade union recognition uh, legislation in this country. Uh, it does exist uh, in other countries. It might come as a shock, but there is actually, um, despite all the years of Margaret Thatcher, there is a, a legal route uh, to union recognition uh, in Northern Ireland and in Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is not uh, here in the Republic of Ireland. The uh, minister who would have direct responsibility on this uh, is Corkman, uh, Fine Gael's, uh, Simon Coveney. But uh, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Greens seem to be um, keen to stick with what they call the voluntarist arrangement, mm-hmm. whereby, yes, you have the right to join a union, but yes, the employer has a right not to recognise the union. And we see this uh, in a number of companies uh, in the Cork area, including Stryker, AbbVie and Johnson & Johnson. What seems unusual about Stryker in particular, and I come to the others also, Mick, is that we have a number of different Stryker outlets, for want of a better term. We have a number of different Stryker operations, some unionised, some not. How does that happen? Well, you're right in what you say, uh, PJ. Um, the striker operation in McCroom uh, and the striker operation in Limerick uh, both have uh, unions and union recognition. Um, it's also the case with AbbVie, for example, um, that there is no union recognition at Carrick Tool, but there is union recognition in Westport County Mayo. Um, the main reason that this happens, it seems to me, Uh, is where these corporations snap up and buy uh, other companies which are already unionised. For example, in the case of AbbVie, who manufacture tablets, uh, they bought a company called Allergen. Mm -hmm. I think they do Botox uh, up in County Mayo. And Allergen was already unionised. And this is transfer of undertakings law. Yes, the Tupi legislation, the transfer of undertakings means that if there's union recognition in the company and it's bought up by another company, the union recognition must transfer over. So in that sense, um, AbbVie and Stryker have been compelled by law to recognise unions in some of their plants, but obviously they're not recognising unions uh, here uh, in uh, Carrick Tool. Mm, because they didn't take over a company that already had a union agreement. Correct. What is the opposition to having an agreement? I mean, if, for example, are you saying or are you suggesting, Mick, that the only reason a company like AbbVie or Stryker might recognise and deal with a union, I hate the word recognise, but deal with a union, would be because they have to? Well, companies can voluntarily uh, agree to uh, talk to a union and you know, many companies do. Uh, but the law of the land, as has been framed by various governments, um, led by Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael down through the years, give the company the right 
not to deal with and not to recognise uh, the union, and I think that that's wrong, mm-hmm. and that it needs to be changed. I mean, because throughout the public sector, throughout the public sector, people who work for the government or for any kind of a government agency, they all have dealings with trade. All the public sector, you think of any public sector outfit you like, HSE, Tusla, any one of those, the revenue, they all they all have full recognition of unions. That's right, and sometimes people will point to that and say it's not equal and that the public sector should not have that right, but I would put it the other way around and I would say that if unions uh, are recognised and unions are, are dealt with uh, in the public sector, it should be the case in the private sector as well. Oftentimes, people think of unions as being about pay uh, and money. And of course, that is an important part uh, of someone's work experience and what they bring home to their family. But it's about a lot more than that. And I think recent events show that health and safety Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, is mm -hmm. a very important uh, part of it. I did a little bit of uh, prep uh, when... Uh, your radio station asked me to come on uh, this morning. I won't blind you with uh, statistics, but I'll give you two. Uh, One is that in the United States, unionized workplaces are five times more likely to have inspections on health and safety grounds because workers feel confident uh, about calling in health and safety and don't feel that there's any risk Mm -hmm. of victimization for having done so. And in the United Kingdom, uh, injury, the injury rate in unionised workplaces is 24% less than it is in non-union workplaces and mm. stress levels, insofar as they can be managed, are significantly less as well because you tend to have uh, better breaks uh, uh, and less uh, cracking of the whip, uh, yeah. so to speak, that, that, than you would that, have that, in a non-union that's a very, workplace. Particularly that second one is a very interesting statistic. On the subject of AbbVie, a company with which I'm not familiar, but like you said, they, they make tablets. Some of their staff took industrial action a few years back when the company ignored a, um, a rule. Was it a ruling or a recommendation from the workplace relations to recognise the union? Yes, there was a recommendation uh, from the Labour Court uh, that the employer should uh, deal with the union. Uh, as indeed uh, there was a recommendation uh, in uh, Johnson & Johnson uh, that the Labour Court uh, should recognise uh, uh, the union, which was ignored by the company. But on the Abvi case, um, there was a six-week strike in the winter of 2017 uh, to... Um, push forward the question of union recognition, given the the company's uh, refusal to do that. Mm. Uh, There was also a one-month overtime ban uh, two years ago in 2021. Um, Now, I have to say that I have huge admiration uh, for any worker or group of workers uh, who tries to uh, organise a non-union place because it's it's not a... it's not a level playing pitch. There's not just a power imbalance. There's a huge power imbalance. Uh, companies have billions at their disposal. They have strong legal teams, uh, etc. And in the case of Abvi, the company um, refused to concede uh, union recognition, did agree to enter a talks process, but because of their obstinacy, in my view, the talks process uh, went nowhere. 
And then in the in the wake of that, uh, 15 workers uh, who joined the union and who went to the gate uh, are no longer there. 11 uh, were made redundant uh, and four have been uh, fired. Now, the company will quote various reasons. Uh, now, well, well, one, 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 must, well, one must suggest, make that correlation do not imply causation here. You can't relate the two. It's just coincidental that all the ones who are gone are all people who were active within the union. That's as much as you can say, and let people make their own mind about it. I'll let people make their own uh, mind about this, uh, and I I will be careful on what I say here, uh, PJ, but there were workers in that plant who were union, and there were workers in that plant who were non-union. The 15 who are, are gone, including the four that are sacked, uh, were union and people will draw their own conclusions about indeed. that. I won't say any more on the matter. Indeed, indeed. Do you think we will ever get to a point where a company coming into Ireland and we we welcome them all in because they provide work and we need the work and we need the taxes in the economy and all of that stuff? Do you think we'll ever get to a day where company coming into Ireland will recognise a trade union because it has to, or? Locally here, because that's, that's, it's not about all about foreign companies. There are many indigenous Irish companies who don't deal with, with unions. Uh, yes, I think we will get to the, to the day. So I'll make two points uh, about that. Um, there, there, there is European legislation uh, coming in uh, in the next uh, year, year and a half, uh, which will give uh, greater... Uh, uh, power to workers in these type of situations. The problem is, uh, I think it will be limited. And the reason it will be limited is because the government won't break with the so-called voluntarist model, where at the end of the day, the employer can say no. So I think it's necessary to go further than that. I have to say that I do not have faith that a government led by either Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael uh, are going to take on the employers on this issue. I think it is entirely possible that after the next general election we will have a government that is not led by Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael uh, and perhaps that they would be uh, not part of the government at all and I think it's important that workers continue to organise so that pressure can be placed on that government to say okay, change the law now. Okay, all right, Mick, it's something that is going to go on and on and on I suggest thank you very much, that's Mick Barry uh, Solidarity TD, Socialist Party TD for Cork North Central. You, me and Mick would disagree on many things, but I have to say I am, okay, I'll put my cards on the table here. I believe very firmly and very strongly in union membership and in union recognition. I believe if you have a sufficient number of people in any workplace who are union members and who want their company to deal with that union or unions, then the company should be compelled under law to do it. That's my belief, and I don't think I'll be shaken from it. As I said, I've been a member of the National Union of Journalists since, I would say, early 1991-1992. stroke That's 30 years. Um, I pay my sub. You know, just because I believe in it. 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts are very, very welcome. Can I get your thoughts on this as well before I go to a break? This is a survey of teenage drinking. Uh, It was carried out by Planet Youth, which is a 
well-being strategy group, if you want, based in the west of Ireland. And they interviewed four and a half thousand teenagers. So that's a pretty decent sample size. These were kids who'd just done their junior cert. And they put to them the question how their parents would feel if they got drunk. And about 57% of them said, or their parents would be totally against it if they got drunk. Four years ago, 2019, that same survey and that same basic question came up with a response that 72% of the teenagers surveyed said their parents would disapprove of them being drunk. It's a big change in attitudes from 72% saying their parents would be horrified four years ago to 57% now, which seems to indicate from a decent sample size at least that parents' attitude towards kids taking a drink and being drunk is, is changing. So if you have teenagers, I once did, if you have teenagers, how do you feel about them taking a drink? And I obviously don't mean if they're 18 and old enough to be able to drink perfectly legally. But if they're 16, 16 and a half, 17, would you mind them having a drink? Would you, you can't buy them a drink in a public place, but would you let them have a drink at home, for example? If your 16 or 17 year old son or daughter wants a bottle of beer, with their dinner on a Sunday, would you give it to them? If they want a glass of wine with their dinner on a Sunday, would you give it to them? When you're sitting down at night watching a bit of telly and you're having a drink or mum's having a drink and would the 17, would you let the 17-year-old have a drink? Or if that 17-year-old or 16-year-old wants to bring friends over, do you mind if they have a drink in your house? Your thoughts, very welcome. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. FM. There's a breaking story this morning that will hit the headlines big time. This is Meta, the company that owns Facebook and Instagram and all of those, has been fined. Massive fine. You're sitting down for this. It's been fined by the Irish Data Protection Commission for breaches of GDPR, transfer of data, and all that stuff. Right. Do you know how much they are to find them? The Irish Data Protection Commission has issued Meta, the owners of Facebook, with a fine of 1.2 billion euro. Not million, I thought it was a misprint, I checked it. 1.2 billion euro. Meta, of course, have said they will appeal. That's a story you'll hear more about. 0818 96 96 96. On unionisation, Kate says, there are companies out there with thousands of non-unionised workers. They just don't want them. It should be looked at by the government. Thanks, Kate. Ballyndee Hob. Gorgeous place. A place Wayne Lloyd... You've called home now, and not just a place you do business, for, for many years. You think, though, it's getting rough. Good morning. Morning, how are you? Very good. The recent jazz festival, now it's quite a well-established little jazz festival now. You thought, it is, it's, it's, it's a great festival. You thought it got very rough, did you? 
Yeah, unfortunately, and, and I posted my opinion and it's got some negative response and some positive response. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, there's, uh, it, there's uh, about 10,000 people came through the village um, it, while the jazz festival was on, and that's great and everything. But uh, there's an, an element of underage drinking, which I suppose you're always going to get, but there's no infrastructure for the village. So people are urinating on, the, you know, on, on our apartments and... Um, having sex behind the building and, and, and you know, it's kind of, uh, if you're bringing that amount of people and you do really know. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You need to have, like, the infrastructure to do it. That's the only comment I'm making. It's a shame that people, uh, you know, I know the, uh, the, the uh, volunteers and everything, they work really, really hard. But my point is, it sometimes attracts, a, the, you know, a crowd and it goes on quite late. Um, once people go home, they hang around and it's quite mm. noisy. Uh, I know people have, have moved out the village. I'm not going to name any names, obviously. You, I, you, a, I know you have a business there. Do you live in the village? No, I don't. But I'm actually moving back in, funnily enough. Uh, at the end of the month, because the house on is being sold, so I'm moving back into the apartment at the end of the month. Um, I lived in the village for about 15 years. Okay. That's uh, 14, 15 years. Okay. And the festival is very successful, brings, I'm sure, yeah, a lot, a lot, I, of, and, and a lot and I, of money to local businesses, and they appreciate it, but you're talking about, and you've, you've nothing against the festival, but you're saying no, that... No, nothing at all. I, I'm, I'm a house music DJ. I used to... Uh, uh, organise underground clubs and I love music and I love yeah, festivals yeah. and things. Yeah. My, my, my disappointment is that, you know, if you're going to do the festival, you, like, bring, bring in some toilets, have some, you know, the guards used to come at the end of the night and make sure everyone had gone home and whatever, they don't do that anymore. Where's the nearest um, decent-sized guard station there? Skib, I assume. It'd be Bantry. It? I saw, Bantry there's okay. one in Skull, but it'd be Bantry, and I know a few people called the guards out, and I, I spoke to the guards, and they said they had no phone calls, which is very, very strange. Right. Um... But yeah, my, my, and you're you know, saying there was people going to the toilet up against the walls of buildings and doing yeah. more unsavory things down alleyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you know what? Like people think I've got. I've had some posts on my lines uh, on my thing saying um, I should go. Uh, I should go back to where I came from and things like that. And well, that's unfortunate because you've been living like there for. Oh, do you know what? You're living down there. How long? Nearly, nearly twenty years now, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Uh, uh, 16. 16, okay. Okay. I don't listen to an intelligent kind of posts, really. 
uh, you know, there's some intelligent people that have, have put posts on there that, uh, you know, I do respect their opinion. All I'm asking is people, there's old people that live in Ballydehar, there's children and things like that, and it does become quite difficult when you live on the main street. And I know a lot of people live in Ballyjob, but they don't all live on the main street where the festival's held, and it is quite difficult. Yeah, yes. And again, you're anxious to stress you're a supporter of the festival, a lover of music, yeah, I, I, but better I, infrastructure was needed. I used to absolutely love the jazz festival, um, and I was going to come into it this year, and I phoned uh, my sister, and she said, don't bother, you'll hate it. Yeah, because of the crowds. And that's sad to me because, like, the community spirit we had before, um, you know, you'd see your friends and, and it'd be great. And, it, you know, I, I just feel that that's changed and it's maybe got uh, a, a bit too big. Uh, I know that roses and cameos and places like that controlled the situation and that they uh, didn't uh, over uh, overflow their premises, shall we say. Yeah. And, uh, you know what I mean? There's a lot of businesses that work really hard, and I know a lot of the volunteers work really hard. And I, I'm really not on here to slag anyone off. It's just my thoughts on, you know, for oh, people no, no, living no. in the I, I visited. I visited in September. So, I was just just driving through. I was down west, and I was oh. visited in September. And it's been it had been a long time since I was in Belly de Hop, and I thought it looks absolutely gorgeous. Stunning, beautiful. Yeah. Best yeah. religion island. Yeah. It's a shame then that if they are going to have a successful jazz festival, and they do, that you wouldn't get more infrastructure in. So you're saying that's, there needs to be some public toilets, there needs to be better well, yeah, gardens. If you've got 10,000 people, where are they going to pay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do they get more bins in? Yeah, well, my bins got filled with all the rubbish from the jazz festival. I'll pay to have that removed. And, you know, there's no bins, there's no free rubbish, there's no... And don't get me wrong, the committee all cleaned up and did a great job. I'm not... You know, that they worked hard. Yes. But I think the planning of the jazz festival needs to have a little bit more... Um, like, you need to bring toilets in. We used to have marshals on the parade and... Sorry, on the, on the festival and things like that. And I think we... You know, that's just my opinion. No, I, I think it's... I, I saw some of the response you got to your Facebook message and I think your point is a very reasonable one. It's brilliant that we have such a festival in this lovely little village. Let's make the let's make it easier for people. Let's get some better infrastructure yeah. in there. Well, that's what I thought I was saying. That's what, exactly what I read, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what I mean. I'm, I'm, I have your, your post printed off here in front of me. And yeah, I, I, I think I people didn't. just took it the wrong way and um, it's very easy to sit at home and be a keyboard warrior. Somebody said I was doing it for the Facebook likes. I don't think I need them. Um, you know, and then it started to get a little bit about a go back to where you're from kind of thing. I don't, I don't do that kind of thing, so... Yeah. No, because in terms of events coming to big places, or to small, big events to small places, I mean, if you look down to Crosshaven to Cork Week, or as it was Ford Week before, the same calls would come in to us from Crosshaven to say, "Can we ease off on the litter and can we get more public toilets in?" Any place you put a, any small place to yeah, put a big I think event it's in. Yeah, it's kind of happening all over. I just happened to mention it, and it's caused quite a contentious issue, which is kind of surprising to me. Okay, Wayne, thank you. Uh, Wayne Lloyd here is his business in, in Ballet de Hub, and he's been there for the bones of 
of 20 years. The festival has a fantastic reputation. He's not saying a word against it. It's grown into being a really big event, attracting 10,000 people into the little village, spending money, having a drink and having a bite to eat and having fun, but also taking a slash down the alley or up against the wall and, shall we say, hookups behind doorways, which I suppose there's no infrastructure you can put in for that. But there are not enough bins his bins outside his premises were filled up. He'll pay to have that removed. That's okay too. But bins, more bins in the in the in the centre. A few more guards around at night. That kind of thing. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Just come back to my my chat with John before the ten o'clock news. Having been talking with Joe Seward about Chantel Cameron versus Katie Taylor at the weekend and how that fight turned out and what might happen now with regard to, to Katie, John rang up to say, well, actually, I think female boxing is a disgrace and on a number of levels. So John's point was he sees Chantel and Katie going in boxing professionally in the ring he likens it to two women fighting outside hillbillies on a Saturday night with people standing around filming him it that's John's connection in his head and he believes that female boxing is disgraceful and PJ I totally agree with John women's boxing should be banned along with women's rugby soccer and football excuse me there's ballet and dance for women, which is so much suited to that. Ah, Anne, you winded me up, surely, on this lovely Monday morning. I want to agree with John. There's no difference between what you see in the ring and the thuggery you see on a Saturday night. The only difference is society jails one and praises and celebrates the other with medals and money. You must also remember there's terrible damage done to all boxers. But I would say it can't be good for women to be getting punches, even accidental ones, in certain parts of their body. It sets up bad things to come. Bernie says, PJ is not going to like me here, but I agree with John. Boxing is just going out there and punching someone, and I feel it's slightly worse when women are involved, because in general, and I know there are exceptions, women are less violent, and we don't need that kind of influence on young women. I agree with John. Ladies, boxing should be banned, says Suzanne. Holy mother of God. Men or women fighting each other, I don't care how highly trained they are. It's horrible to watch them hurting each other, inflicting cuts and bruises and black eyes. Have you ever seen photos of poor Katie after a fight? I'll always have difficulty calling it a sport. That's from Charlotte. Boxing is horrible. Totally agree with John, says Geraldine. I'm losing the will here, lads. I totally agree with John. It's a vicious, unnecessary sport. Why would you take pleasure in boxing the head off someone, a fellow human, and there's blood drawn and teeth knocked out. It's inhumane, says Emma. Ah, lads here. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked and stunned, to be quite honest with you. 0818 96 96 96. Come here, in these days of chat GPT and other such things, I can ask chat GPT to write me a thousand-word essay about Katie Taylor or Chantelle Cameron or Emer O'Hay or Fergal Barry. I can ask Chat GP, GPT to write me a thousand word essay or article about anyone I want. What if that article 
defames them or says something about them that isn't true or is damaging. What happens then? Who's responsible for that? We'll discuss it next. 0818 96 96 96. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96 FM. The countdown is on to this year's Giving for Living Radiothon, which on this show means one thing. It's back. We need your help raising as much money as we possibly can for Cork Cancer Services. Get involved in Jersey Day, hold a coffee break, or even a sponsored fast if you're able. Just leave the pizza at home, yeah? I'm currently on a sponsored fast. We had pizza come in for our last day of school today. Oh. Find out more about this year's Giving for Living Radiothon with me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Nyan Motors, your number one for Kia in Cork. Cork's 96 FM. Sometimes people ask you what's the most frustrating thing about your job, PJ. And I'll tell you what it is. It's having a great story and not being able to use it because there's some element of it that you can't stand up legally. And that's become more and more difficult over the years, and we have anything I have here, a note, a question, a statistic, an article, got to be able to stand it all up before we bring it to air. It's just part of the job. It's getting tighter and tighter over the years. Then enter artificial intelligence like chat GPT, which can write a 1,000 word article on anything you want in minutes. And we've read so much about it now at this stage. It's, 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 it's part of common understanding what chat GPT is, and there have been articles now already written and published that were put together in an artificial intelligence forum, or using artificial intelligence. What happens if that article defames or misinforms or gets something just plain wrong? Paul Tweed is an international media lawyer and joins me. Oh, he was to join me on line two, guys. He seems to have dropped off of line two. But there's the thing. Just in case you are ever wondering um, why some stuff doesn't get to air, it can often be because we can't stand an element of it up. People will call us up here with a story, a good story, that is very very likely 100% true. But if we can't stand it up legally, that's the law. We have to be able to do that. It is a pain in the neck. I don't mind telling you. Sometimes it really is. Um but you have to do it. But what happens when you enter the artificial intelligence sphere? Paul Tweed, international media lawyer. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Hi. It's a pain in the ass having to stand stories up, but it's the job we do. What happens when chat GPT gets involved? And I write something about you that's defamatory. Or chat GPT writes something about you that's defamatory. Well, look, I've complained for a long time about the difficulty in getting speaking to a human being uh, with the current uh, social media platforms. Uh, it's becoming an increasing challenge. Now we are facing robots. Uh, so whereas I can um, communicate with you at least, PJ, trying to uh, deal or negotiate with a robot is a challenge. I'm afraid it's beyond my capabilities and I suspect beyond the capabilities of most human beings on this planet. Uh, but unfortunately, it is now going to be a problem of our times. Uh, I mean, the law isn't geared uh, to deal with it, never mind society. So all I can do as a lawyer is to try to get at the source, uh, the, the, the uh, company responsible for it. Uh, in the case of OpenAI, uh, who operate ChatGPT, that's Microsoft, with a 50% stake. And then Google, of course, uh, operate BARD. 
Now, both Google and Microsoft have their European, Middle Eastern and African headquarters based in Dublin. Uh, so that would be my, will, will be my starting point going forward. But it's a major problem for people. I mean, I've been consulted not just by individual members of the public, but also by my publishing clients who have expressed you know, extreme concern whereby their articles, their purported articles, are being cited by these chatbots and they don't exist. There's no such article. And yet they're being used to A, justify what is being fed back by the AI platform and B, to give credibility to it and just try to get the, the robot to change uh, their mind as to whether it should remain there and that's a challenging. You may even have difficulty with PJ. I mean, if I quote something here about Paul Tweed or about anybody else, I need to be able to stand up the source of that if, if I'm put to it. But exactly. Who do, and, and the book stops with me and the team here. Yep. We've got to get exactly. and, and we have meetings in the, in the office where we tease things out just how far we can go with a story. That's part of being journalists. But, but who do I come after if I'm defamed by a chatbot? Exactly. And what's more, I mean, the platforms, not just the uh, AI chatbots, but the current the social media sites all claim that they are not publishers and therefore they are not subject to the same defamation, privacy and data protection laws that you would be subject to and that every other newspaper, every other publisher in the land will be subject to. But they regard themselves as being somehow immune or different from that. I mean, the site... Uh, the ECOM directive, the European directive, that's, that was again brought into force long before the social media sites it, it became uh, as powerful as they are, and way, way obviously before the AI chatbots have taken hold. Mm. Like the two key questions are where did the information come from, and who's responsible for what I read or see or hear in the end? So the answers to those questions, what are they in this case? Yeah, well, both very, very difficult questions to answer. I mean, these chat- chatbots are almost like a Wikipedia on speed. I and mean, what they do is they suck in all the information out there, true, false, reliable, unreliable. And also, and this is what we haven't got to the bottom of yet, they seem to be able to, to, to pluck newspaper articles which don't exist and somehow fit them in to their summary, their answer to whatever query is given. So you've got a double problem here. First of all, they're sucking in everything that's out there, true and false. And as you'll be well aware, there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation has been pumped out there. We've seen uh, in the United States massive awards uh, out of the Alex Jones case and various other factors. But we now, we're now into this era where it, the stuff that's put out there is it, there's no attempt. There doesn't appear to be any attempt mm. to try and get a filter on here to make sure that the facts the truth and accuracy come out there. And it's not just defamation of character. I mean, you know, if this misinformation goes out there, the way the banks are very sensitive at the moment because of the fines that have been posed on them, they are immediately suspending accounts if an adverse word such as money laundering appears behind a, beside a customer's name somewhere online there. So that there, that there's a risk. That's going to be repeated 
on the chatbots and people are going to find that their bank accounts are suddenly suspended. You know, U.S. Treasury use um, uh, reports, media reports, social media reports uh, to, to justify sanctions. Again, another area where there's massive dangers for people out there. Mm. And society really haven't thought this through. And I must say, even where you have a situation where Elon Musk even has, has got concerns and stepping back. Jeffrey Hinton, the, the, the guy, the, the, the father basically of inventing AI for Google, he has stepped down because of concerns and fears. I mean, we are, we are going into an, an, an era yeah. that people really didn't predict happening within the next 20 years and it's now going to be happening within the next two years if not sooner. There's stuff that's actionable and stuff that's not like misinformation. A lot of stuff that just isn't true but it's not actionable. That's worrying as well. Very worrying and that sort of falls into the realm of harassment you know where uh, you've got a political or a commercial opponent is putting stuff out there and hope that either banks or the media you know, would pick it up uh, or else, you know, it creates some form of investigation. And that's something that, that's deliberate strategy, which again, the AI chatbots are going to be sucking in the way things are going at the moment. They'll be bringing it into their, uh, their news aggregation site, for want of a better uh, description. And this, this is something that's going, you know, on the other hand, you've obviously got, their, they, they appear to be doing some good for, you know, students and uh, scholars and that they're, they're, they're assisting with exam papers and different things like that. But, you know, again, we, nobody is thinking through what the net outcome is going to be. Whether it is even, even if they're producing information that is actually correct, there's context has to be considered. Mm. Whether the way it's been put out is misleading. Now, if you're dealing with a human being, you can talk that through with them and you, yeah. you get things like empathy coming out and different yeah. things. Yeah. You don't get that in a robot. Yeah. Have we, or have someone, has the world created a monster, Paul Tweed? Well, I think there's certainly a monster, you know, poking up behind the wall there. And I think if something isn't done very quickly, the monster will be coming over that wall pretty damn quickly. Okay. Leave it there. I've no doubt we'll speak again. Paul Tweed, international media lawyer. AI. Have we created a monster? 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Anybody planning a Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon fundraiser next weekend? That's planning to have that fundraiser in the open air. Lads, the gods look like they will smile upon us for the Radiothon because the forecast for the back end of this week is fantastic. Forecast for next weekend is temperatures into the low 20s, 21, 22 degrees. A proper bit of summer arriving on Leaside. Sunshine and UV indexes where you're going to need to put the factor 50 on if you have the bald head or the bare legs or whatever you have. Weather looking seriously good, particularly for the second half of this week. Uh, today, look at that, that's beautiful out there now. Tomorrow could be a bit dull, but then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, big improvement. And Alan at Carlo Weather has put up some posts on his Twitter this morning that 
are pointing to the next 10 days or so being pretty damn decent. And speculation, but only that, speculation that we could be having half-decent weather at least right up into the June weekend. Now, that's a week and a half or two weeks away yet, so we won't make any promises or plans in that regard. But a lovely bit of weather about to move in over us for the next few days at least, which is fantastic. It would be beautiful down around Valley Hub and Skull and West Cork in general. It's back to Valley Hub we go now because chatting in the last hour with Wayne uh, from Wayne Lloyd Hare who was saying that while he's a huge supporter of the Ballydehob Jazz Festival the infrastructure of the little village isn't really working for it uh, of late because they said there are not enough bins uh, there are not enough public toilets and there's antisocial behaviour noise, disrespect dirt, litter drinking drugs and it just needs to be nipped in the bud as it were festival huge supporter of the festival but all is not well in the streets of Ballydehob because of the huge crowds that come in for it Deborah I know you're not having a personal pop at at Wayne and and very important but you don't agree with him I think good morning no. No, good morning, and the weather here in Ballydehob is fabulous. Good. Um, no, I'm I'm a member of the uh, Jazz Festival um, uh, volunteer. There's about 100 of us, mm-hmm. and we felt that we had put on, and, and we, we do, we did put on a great festival. We have, um, we made sure as many things as that couldn't go wrong didn't go wrong, we, but there are always glitches and we're always trying to learn. I was on duty for pretty well the whole weekend. I went to every part of the village. Like we had a lot of um, campers, camping people down by the inlet. Um, we had concerts on in, in our community hall. The pubs had all music going on. And I did not... I I mean, I did not see um, what has been mentioned before, bad behavior. I did see a a few broken glasses, but we've been trying to transition to plastic mugs. Mm. And I guess because of the volume of the people, maybe some of the glasses were used. Bad behavior, I I saw high spirits. Mm -hmm. I saw people letting go, and the young people, they've had so few places to let go in the last couple of years i saw i saw exuberance i truly didn't see bad behavior i did not see any disrespect to any members of the community i just didn't do it Mm -hmm. and i was patrolling the village probably from around noon one of my shifts was from noon and one of my shifts was from six in the evening when i was doing stewarding and i was going around until around 2 a.m I didn't see, no, I didn't see any drugs. I didn't. But that's something that maybe the guarder can uh, t- talk to. Them. Because if there, were, if there were more than one complaint, I'm quite sure that they've actually contacted Court okay. County Council and they've co- contacted the guarder. Couple of questions. But I didn't see it. I truly didn't see okay. it. Okay, okay. Couple of things. Wayne, first of all, is at pains to state how much you're a supporter of the festival and the concert. I the know festival. he has he been. He's In been a great time. supporter. But the point that he's making, I think, is that it's now at such 
an intense success. It's such a big success now. 10,000 people coming into Ballady Hub for a weekend. Where are they going to go to the toilet? So what happens for public toilets? And by the way, where is the nearest major Garda station, Deborah, if there was a problem? Um, The major Garda station would be in Skull. Okay. And there's a major Garda station. But we had Garda, we had Garda in the village the whole weekend um, c- covering all the, the different venues. We, we had a presence there. But we also had the, the stewards, the volunteer students. Right. The volunteer Is stewards. it volunteer security or is there a private security firm? No, no, no. The, the, the pubs had um, guards on all the doors making sure that there was no underage drinking. Um, and, and trying to catch it. I mean, obviously, there's little um, people trying to get through, you know, that kids will be kids. Mm. But we don't think we let anybody through. I think I think when you think of the amount of people, could we have had more um, uh, portable toilets? I think that's something that we're going to have to address. Okay. We've got a lovely array of toilets down at our community hall and the pubs had them and I know the restaurants were being very generous to letting people in but we probably need more and that's something we can learn from. What about Um, bins then? Glasses and possibly uh, broken glass, we are transitioning hopefully to plastic. Excellent. What about bins, extra bins? Well, it's funny you should say that about the bins because I know we contacted um, Cork County Council and we got their advice and what they wanted and what they wouldn't want, etc. Um, we could have put some more out. There's no question of a doubt. I guess we were so excited to be doing finally, a re- you know, sure. getting out of the lockdown um, haze. That there are a couple of things that got missed, but we are set to improve. It was just wonderful to have people in our village. We're a village of festivals. You know, our festivals start in January and they finish... At Halloween, that's how yeah. many festivals we have. Yeah. And it's important that everybody, the visitors, the people who live in the village, everybody feels, I mean, and it is only for a small amount of time, that big volume. True. But if you're uncomfortable and if it wasn't pleasant for you, then we've got to find ways to make that work. Well, that's very fair. As I, as I said to, to Wayne, I was in... Um, Valley de Hub, round Patrick's weekend, we were down west, and if you, know, you remember, the the weather was lovely. Yeah, we, we, it went was for, lovely. we went for a spin the day after the rugby match, and right. we didn't stop. We we drove through Valley de Hub, and I was showing my missus the the various pubs that they have the festivals and the music in, and she just remarked to me. She said, "This is such a stunningly beautiful little village. It okay. is like it's postcard stuff." You know, I've been here eight years, and I've lived a lot of places around the world. I have never, I've never been in a sense of community, a sense of giving. The volunteerism in this place is unbelievable. And I was a little concerned when he said that there was no community spirit. And I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe we're not reaching out to some people, but I, I can't believe it. We've got, I mean, during lockdown, we were so reliant upon each other. We were so we, we were so connected, and we wanted to make sure that if anybody had a problem or feeling isolated, or they that they felt um, as if you know things weren't ever going to get better, we were there as a support group. Everybody was, okay. and we've tried to continue to do that. The community council, um, led by William Swanton and and Joanne Cassidy, the um, hall committee uh, with Sonia, all of the different committees, the tidy towns. We've got so many charitable 
um, volunteer groups in the village that we we could help anybody. We really okay. could. And, and we have to do that because if we're going to have these festivals, we're going to be welcoming visitors and we want to put on our, the best possible um, time for them. So, so, so you're happy to look down, look with your fellow committee members at maybe more bins and Absolutely. maybe more public toilets. We've got to, because if we don't get feedback and we don't find out what the issues is, it's ever so important to get, if somebody says, look, this didn't work, what can we do to improve it? So okay. we've got to, and, we, and we, are a, we are a village where everybody gets together and talks. We may not all agree at the same time, but by goodness, the, the, the talking and the organising, we want to learn because we want to carry well, on Well, you see, here's search. the thing, Deborah, and I'll say this. You wouldn't have developed such a successful little jazz festival if you, tud- if you couldn't work together as a community exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah, someone's saying here as well, one of the big improvements in Ballad Hub has been some lovely new restaurants popping Absolute. up there of late, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the kids can eat. I mean, somebody was saying, well, they were eating and drinking. Yeah, they were. And they were having such a good time. Yeah. I mean, yes, there was a bit of broken glass, but the, the, the cleanup committee, wow, you should have seen them in action. I'm telling you, by the noon of the following day, that the, the village was sparkling. Yeah. It really was. It was fantastic. Yes, I think we definitely need more bins. Yes, I think we certainly could do to have a, more, a better toilet facility so that everybody can feel comfortable, especially on parade day. But... Um, yeah, we can improve. And if okay. people would like to write in to the Bally de Hob uh, Jazz Festival and say, look, I noticed this. This might not be so great. Can you improve on this? We would love the feedback. Okay. Okay. Well, it's great to, it's great to hear people so receptive. I know Wayne's comments didn't go down particularly well across the board, but it's great to hear someone so receptive like yourself, Deborah, to taking things on board. You say yourself you didn't see the antisocial behaviour of which he speaks, and that's, and perhaps you didn't. I, 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 t- I believe you. I take his word that you didn't see it. You saw exuberance and boisterousness, which is normal uh, on a festival weekend. Thank you for that, Deborah. Then someone says Wayne's comments show how clueless and disconnected he is when it comes to our community. He's talking about community spirit. When the right thing to do would have been to talk to the festival organisers instead of bad-mouthing our hard-working volunteers on social media and radio. It's genuinely hurting them, and they deserve better than that. He thinks community spirit is gone. He obviously hasn't even tried to find it, as it's everywhere, and you can't escape it here if you tried. When has he ever actively helped with anything? He doesn't even live here. He has nothing to do with the community outside his business. We have a wonderful community with great people, and we're proud of everything we achieve. We might not get everything right, but at least we work hard and we try. The Jazz Festival provides many of our small businesses, artists and musicians with vital income. We cannot afford to lose it. Nobody denies there are small problems, but only by working together as a community, these th- issues can be resolved. This whinging and whining on social media and radio helps no one. Thank you for that. We will be podcasting both Wayne and Deborah, and people will be able to listen back and see for themselves and listen for themselves what he and indeed what Deborah was saying and making up their own mind. It's it's a thing about a small village, though. Small village, big festival, committees, volunteers, people helping out to get things right in their community. 
if someone puts their head above the parapet to say, hang on a second, they can end up in in trouble for us. But uh, thank you to both Deborah and Wayne for speaking to us today. No doubt. And there's a long summer there, so there'll be many more good days in Ballet de Hob. 0818969696. PJ coming home Saturday on the Ballincollig bypass. There was loose stones everywhere on the motorway. My windscreen got cracked and I heard I wasn't the only one. You think they clean up motorways properly after maintenance, especially on a major road? Don't know who's responsible. When a fella saw me looking out the windscreen, he told me several people had had that problem. I worked with Galbras on road maintenance, putting down pipes, etc. You had to have the road clean before they'd sign off on a job. These standards don't seem to be there in Cork at the moment, says Pat. Pat, that's not the first time I've heard of that happening. I remember, and this goes back to August of last year, we came back from our holidays uh, on a Tuesday afternoon and I had to go down to collect our cats uh, from a wonderful cattery down there near near McCroom. And I was driving down there and as I was going out the, by- the bypass, there was a bang under the body of the car. And now it didn't do any harm, but certainly the first opportunity I got, I pulled in and I had a look underneath. And if it had hit another way, it would have done damage. But yeah, there seems to be a lot of loose stones out. And that's that's an incident from last August. So definitely a problem. Thank you, Pat. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, Gary Barlow's after becoming a property developer. That's his new business now. Do you know he's had a couple of businesses? Yeah. He had a, a publishing company. I assume music publishing. He did that new show, Let It Shine. But he also uh, had organic wine, which sold over half a million bottles. He had that business where he created uh, pubs for shorter people. Didn't he? Barlow. <laughs> Limited. Gary Barlow Limited. Casey and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at no DC cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Corks 96 FM. Business story there just out from Ryanair. They've, they've published their results. And you know what? Say what you like about Michael O'Leary and the way he runs his company and the way he does his business. Actually, can I re- recommend a book You'll pick it up for a couple of quid. It's usually in bargain basements everywhere, but you'll find it. It's called The Little Book of Mick. Somebody sat down a few years ago and decided to get all of the strange and wonderful and mad and crazy things that uh, Michael O'Leary has ever said and put them into a little book. It's hilarious. It's called The Little Book of Mick. Anyway, that's that's beside the point. Um, they've just published their results. They carried 168... Point six hundred and sixty, nearly 170 million passengers in the year to the end of March. Nearly 170 million passengers. Um, they did lose in the fourth quarter of the year. They lost money because of the cost of fuel and stuff like that. They lost money. They lost 154 million euro in their last quarter. But their profit for the year overall, their profit was 1.4 billion euro. 
So they made more money than Meta has been fined. But 1.4 billion euro was Ryanair's profits for the year just gone by. And the ancillary sales, these are the extra things we buy when we're on the plane, like the toasted sandwich or the cup of coffee or the can of beer or whatever you're having yourself. 23 euro per passenger when you spread it out. They're saying that fuel costs in 2024 will be much higher than in 2023, but at least they've made money to cover that, haven't they? That's, that's, that, those are colossal figures. You have to hand it to them like them. It's a monster company. Absolutely monster company. 0818 96 96 96. Another monster company is Sky. Timmy got in touch. Timmy, you've been getting Sky installed in, in the house and you had to let a guy go into the attic, obviously, to run cables and stuff like that. And, and you're not happy with with the way he left it. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You sent us a video. It doesn't look good. No, no, I don't. I don't. Um, no, because I, 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 like, I, my, uh, my attic organised. Like, I know what stuff is. Yeah. And my partner asked me, last week to go and have a check for summer clothes because we're going to be in June, like, in all this. Yes. So I went up. And it goes, what is going on here? And think a tornado came in over and just wrecked the attic. When were they uh, in there? When did they do the installation? Um, they came in, it would have been five or five, didn't it? Of last week? Yeah, last week, yeah. Okay. And how long were they up there for? He was, I, he was there for nearly the whole day. Okay. So when you went up then, what, I mean, you can see the stuff broken and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. He stood all over him. Like, there was pictures there of her grandmother and she passed away about three or four years ago. Right. Like, he stood all over us, he broke all the picture frames, and then, um, like, I'm, I'm, I followed the boys and girls in Locker. Obviously, I'm from the last time in Celtic, and then, um, James Hooney took a lot of pictures of my, my uncle was, um, Chris Newton, that yes. was three years ago, like, and he stood all over them, broke all the pictures, broke all them in the room. Not that it matters, or should matter, but do you have light up there? I have, I have a light, yeah. And have you floor? I have a floor, yeah. Right. And I have a, what's called him, Stiver. Okay. So everything was there. He didn't have to fumble around. Oh, he, he didn't have to do anything. And then he just wrecked all the installation and just left everything the way it was. It was like, he opened all the bags and threw all the stuff in there. Did you get back on to Sky to know what had I happened? I didn't. My, my partner was going to start following up. He was going to start following up, she said. Yeah. And he tore up all the installation. Mm. I just left it the way it was. It was like a, no, you would accept in an attic that sometimes you do have to lift a bit of insulation or you might have to lift a bit of floor to get cable under it and things yeah, like you that. Don't, you don't mind that, like, you just put it back after, like, you Exactly. Know, and then, which you never did, I just left it the way it was. And there was no indication you might be coming back or anything like that, no? No, no, no. Right. Like, my, my father passed away there um, a few months ago there and I took picture frames on his house. Yes. And I put them up in the attic and they were throwing everywhere. Like the stuff, and like you said, you sent us a video, their stuff broken. I mean. Yeah, it broke. Like it, it's like it didn't care. Like, so they, I stood on top of everything and then we had to call over the plumber then because the pressure of the water went down. So we had to ring the council, the council didn't ring the plumber and blah, blah, blah. Right. You're a council <laughs> tenant, are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And you're saying that something went wrong with the, with the water? Yeah, all the pressure went down. All the hot water pressure went down. We couldn't have a shower then for the whole right. day. I couldn't imagine that had anything to do with the television installation. But oh, I know, I know. <laughs> but at the same time. 
was a public amount, and he, I, I said to him, I, I goes up, we asked Sky, he probably turned off a switch or hit something. Yeah. And he came back, he wasn't even up there five minutes, he came back down, he goes, yeah. Well, he'd knocked something off, had he? He knocked something off, yeah, he knocked off a valve. Messy, yeah, oh, messy. 100%. Yeah, and he came down and he was crying down because uh, all the insertions in his eyes and he'd be given out. Who, the plumber? No, no, the... The from the sky. Oh, the sky, the sky guy was complaining about the insulation being in his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fairness, you have a good thickness of insulation there and it's well laid and all that, or at least well, it was. What? So you're going to get back onto them. I know from my own time booking sky to put stuff in, they send a local contractor and it's kind of potluck who you get. That's right, yeah, 100%. Because I remember sending a fella away one time and ringing them and said, I don't ever want to see him again. And the next guy that came was a fella I knew and done a super job for me. So it really is pot luck who comes. I say so, yeah, yeah. I understand. All right. So, so your partner is going to get on to them? She's going to get on to the sky down and see what the story is. They're, they're at the, we'll place the four frames in there because he's at the, he's at the uh, stand on the whole island put the, the picture frames. I would hope that a big company like Sky would would say to you, "Oh God, we'll 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 sort that out." Come back to me, Timmy, and let me know what they do say. I will, I will, PJ. Yeah, no bother. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. All right, bye, mind yourself. All the best. See ya. Yeah, that's they're not. When you book a Sky installation, they send out a contractor, and the contractors are supposed to put everything back as they find it. And if your attic is properly floored and properly lit, then there's no excuses. There's no excuses anyway. But still. Anyone else had that experience? And to be fair, I did have a row. We moved to um, Douglas from Carrigaline. We moved there in 2004. And when I was putting the sky in, getting the guy to come and run the cables and all of that, I just wasn't happy with the first fella, I got the distinct notion that he A, didn't want to be there and B, didn't particularly um, know what he was doing. I wanted mine put in a specific way and being a bit of a techie geek, I had ideas of exactly what I wanted. And the first guy just hadn't a notion and wasn't at all interested in cooperating with me. So I sent him away. I said, look, it's fine. I'll, I'll sort it out myself and thanks for what you've done kind of thing. Then I got this guy and I said, I really don't want to see him again because he hasn't done what I wanted. And the next guy turned out to be a fellow that I'd known and we were involved in the Lions Club together and he did a marvellous job. So you are down to potluck as to as to who you guess. 0818 96 96 96 and we had great fun last week. We had mileage out of Vic and her story of being attacked by a crow on the way to work. This is Vic from the newsroom here at 96 FM. She was attacked and set upon by a crow on her way to work. And we had video of that crow attacking other people, not far from where I'm sitting here, up on Wellington Road. And we spoke to Jim at Birdwatch Ireland, and Jim said that very simple explanation. There are some chicks around, and Vic had seen little small birds. There are some chicks around, and that is a parent, and that is a parent defending its children. And because Vic or anybody else had walked into the line of sight between Mammy or Daddy and the birds, the babies then, get out of my way, kind of thing. That's what that was about. We had a load of calls then from people with their animal stories. Uh, we had one lady, Dawn, who feeds foxes and badgers and cats on her lawn. She said at one point, about 15 or 16 cats coming to visit. She has badgers and foxes and all of that. We had some great stories. But it prompted a call from Marcus, who, and it is common enough now to see people, Marcus, 
leaving out food for foxes and, and having foxes come to the back door and watching them out the window. And they're beautiful creatures and they're gorgeous to watch snacking on what you've left out for them. But you're asking people not to. Good morning. Morning, PJ. I tell you, I'm in the middle of lambing my sheep at the moment. Okay. And uh, we've cameras inside in the sheds. And the other night, um, my wife was actually winding the camera. And she says, uh, there was a fox to open the shed. So I said, Jesus. Uh, I said, I better get up fast or whatever up to the shed. So as sure as God, anyway, there was a fox inside in the shed. And, like, I think it's because people are feeding the foxes and the foxes aren't a bit um, nervous now and they're just coming into sheds and, you know, they're... Like, if they take one or two of my lambs, it's kind of my livelihood. Did they did they hurt any <clears throat> animals, no? No, I got up there in time, but, you know, now, um, if there was one of the lambs loose, I can kind of penned in. But sometimes if a sheet lamb, the, the lamb is very small and it can, it can get out. Of course. And sure, it's an easy treat for the fox then. Indeed. Mm-hmm. You know, but like what I've experienced as well with foxes, you could have a fox running through my flock now and you could roar at him and shout at him and he'd only look at you. He wouldn't, nor before they'd run away. Mm-hmm. They're getting too um, used to humans, I think. Yeah, that's where I was going to go with that. I've seen countless videos on Instagram where someone will leave a little bowl of treats out and... Foxy will come to the end of the drive or to the edge of the garden, particularly out in the country, and will be nibbling and people take video. It's lovely to look at, but I think your warning is they're not meant to be coming this close to humans. They're becoming too used to humans, which means that they don't see us as any threat when we're trying to protect our livestock. Yeah, well, like, I, I just, I've, I've sheep now the best part of 10 years and I've never seen a fox come, come into my shed or anything like it was just... I just couldn't believe it. No, they're having cubs at the moment. I know that, and they're hungry, and you know. Yeah. But um, well, another point that was made to us, which kind of backs up what you're saying, but not in the same, not for the same reasons, was that uh, I think it was one of the wildlife people that called us. If humans are putting out food at a time when the cubs are being born and learning to forage that the cubs won't learn to forage, they won't learn to hunt properly because the food is being provided by the nice man across the road in number 10. Oh, 100%, 100%. And like what the foxes do, they're cute out. If you were a fox uh, that had two lambs, he'd, he'd split up the two lambs for the mother. The, the, the strongest lamb would stay with the mother and the weakest lamb then would be away and he'd, he'd nab that lamb. I see. So they can yeah. suss out which... So they, they'll watch the flock, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've often, dusk now, I check the sheep before I go to bed, and um, dusk would be a good time for foxes. They'd be watching the sheep. Yes. I, dusk dusk and dawn, I find you see more of them. I, up early in the morning now, and where I live, I live near a golf course, and there's a, there's, there's a big green across from me. And if you get up at just the right time, just as the sun is starting to rise, you'll see, many mornings you'll see a fox out, look, out foraging. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the time for them, okay. And and another thing with the crows as well, if you if you had, um, say, grey crows or a thing like that, and you had a thick sheep and the sheep went down their side, the crows would come along, they'd, they'd, the sheep would be still alive and they'd pick the eyes out of the... I have the heard that. Yeah, I have yeah. heard oh, that. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. 
So please don't feed the foxes, Marcus, because you're causing problems. No, I don't think anybody would intend to cause a problem for you, but they are. No, they are. I think they're just getting too used to us and like they should be let fin for themselves. The other point you make is if they associate buildings with food. Yeah. I see what you mean. I see like this box, this box in particular, like this box knows how to get into my shed, you know, and like I've been well, fairly well since and, you know, you kind of want to know the run of the lens. I can obviously this fox is doing its homework. Yeah. You know? um, well, they are trackers. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're nice to see. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I leave them alone. They leave me alone. You yes. know. And, uh, and is it a kind of a thing that once this few weeks is done and the lambing is over? It's not a problem, or, or is it a, is it becoming a year-round thing? Well, at the moment, I, I, I have the lamb. It's very late to be lambing, to be honest. I have most of my lambing done in February. Yes. I just have a few stragglers. Like, I never lamb this late. Um, but like, when the lambs get any bit hardier, if you got them maybe four or five weeks old, it's very rare they take one, you know. It's, I know what you mean. When they're so young. Like, I've I so always keeping lambs inside now because I'm just afraid of my life to leave them out. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that fox is there. Uh, <laughs> you, you say there's a, a livelihood. What, what would you get for a lamb now, Marcus? Just curious, like. Well, I saw two recently there, and when the money is good, I got 140 euros per lamb. Right. No, normally, look, you're talking anyway from 120 to 150 or 60 euros per lamb. I see. I see. Somewhere, somewhere around that, depending on the weight, no one thinks about that. Like, but the, okay. in general, that's what you be talking about. Okay. Okay, and if you have a few beasts, that's that's nice money. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Like, the way I look at it, if, if a sheep has two nice lambs there and you're getting 250 or, say, for the two lambs, like, mm-hmm. it's a lot better than cattle. That's yeah. the way and I how, many, how many sheep would you have? What kind of flock? I have about 70 sheep now at the moment. I kind of work full-time as well, so... Oh, right. I can see why you'd be worried about the fox running away if each one of them little lambs is worth good money. Well, it's 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 not all about the money either. Know, like yeah. all our flock, my daughter, them all named. Ah. You can imagine, oh, if you went out and saved one of the lambs that was just named was taken. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know ah. what you mean. And you don't want any, you don't want dogs or foxes or anything worrying. What, the old word was worrying sheep. I always thought that was a kind of an understatement when you see the mess they leave after them. Yeah, well, we bothered with, with dogs as well. We'd fellas there, you know, the harriers and things like that. And you know, I'd I'd approach them and I'd say, look, I, I don't want sheep because they're worrying the sheep, and they'd say, oh, they're not going to kill the sheep at all. But I said, look, they'll abort their lambs with the stress of the dog. Is that true, Marcus? Pause on that for a second. That that's where the word worrying came from. That the fox or the dog wouldn't actually attack the sheep at all, but that the the pregnant yo would lose the lamb because of the shock, the worry, the stress. Oh, hundred percent. So that's yeah. where that came from. I, well, I'm not sure about that. No, like, but um, it sounds it sounds like logic. Yeah, it's just, they get just a, such a fright, they just abort, or the land to be born did, you know. They get such um I see what you mean. And, you know, the only satisfaction you get, oh, we've been hunting here for years, you know, this kind of... Ah. Crap, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, yeah, I know. Marcus, I wish you well. I wish you well, and I hope you have a successful end to the to, to the lambing season. And, and advice there from Marcus, who farms a few head of sheep.
and the foxes are coming in and he has to watch for them. But his point is that when we feed foxes, or when somebody feeds foxes, they teach them to associate buildings with food. So they'll come to a barn or a shed where there's lambs. And then, of course, wow, lambs, small, small meals on four legs. Like that's that's a fiesta for Foxy. Um, but Marcus says we're giving out that message. Thanks for that, Marcus. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I heard Marcus talking about foxes, staring him down. <laughs> Emma, I had to run in with a cat in my garden yesterday, and he stared me down. And he wouldn't get out of the garden, despite me banging on the window. He stared me down with these evil, piercing cat eyes. Looked like he wanted to pounce on me and murder me. Cats are evil. They'll get us in the end. I'm convinced of it, says Emma. Ah, Emma. Ah, Emma. Cats? Evil? No. No. But they do stare at you. I have a cat, we have two cats in Coogan Towers, and one of them, I'm fully convinced, if she could speak, she would turn around and say, who do you effing think you are about three or four times a day? Oh, no doubt about it. <laughs> On Sky, I had serious hassle with Sky. This is in response to Timmy. I had serious hassle with Sky lifting insulation. There was water came down the walls. Sky would take no responsibility to contact anybody and said they aren't responsible for fighting a losing battle. 0818969696. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Last week we were talking about Charleville and traffic in Charleville. It comes on the back of a couple of tragedies. One very recent one where an elderly pedestrian... Um, died and indeed it was the second such fatality in a short number of weeks or months and there's a constant concern in Charleville about the level of heavy traffic buses and lorries and trucks going through Charleville all day every day um, because it is still the main road between here and Limerick And it's been raised at the County Council and the Council want a response from the NTA and people want want a bypass built and they want it built quickly and they've been asking for it for years. And uh, that entire discussion prompted a call from uh, Wacus. You've been living in Charleville for for a few years, Wacus, and and you've noticed all this problem with the traffic. Morning. Hi, good morning. Yeah, I have been living in Charleville for the past uh, five years. Yeah, and there have been significant issues in relation to the traffic in Charleville. The accident the other day was a terrible tragedy. Yeah, that, it was very shocking for the community, especially the elderly um, the population that's living in Charleville and everybody running the businesses. It was um, it was a very hard news, and everybody's devastated in Charleville. May may her soul rest in peace. But there should be more punitive steps taken because it's not the first casualty. Uh, there have been multiple casualties in the past, and uh, and the, the Charleville M20 road has become a death trap for a lot of people. And people are finding it really hard um, to, to just go and go out and do their businesses. There's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of fear yeah. um, and uncertainty. 
people have been talking about building having a separate bypass and um it, it hasn't been fruitful it, it never it hasn't been fruitful never um there haven't been any kind of uh, any progress on uh, it yes yes no progress made on the, that yet it must be very difficult to, to live and work there when there are trucks and buses up through the main street all day yeah, there is a lot of noise pollution and there are a lot of um, people living around the road area. What happens is that there are big lorries uh, that are coming through the town or leaving the town. And what happens is that there is a very sharp bend uh, when you enter Charleville from N20 site. And from Limerick to Charleville, uh, there's, a sh- there's a very big bend. Yeah. The trucks nearly have to sway and turn around the corner. And sometimes what happens is that there's a, there's a, there's a slope downhill. So if someone is, um, if there's a pedestrian passing, most of the truck drivers, I think, because they're on a level, they're they're very high, they're unable to see any pedestrian uh, crossing, and yeah. um, you know, and and you know what happens is that it, it, it just congested. There's a lot of noise pollution, and uh, a lot of people also commute from the nearby areas such as uh, North Cork um, and the areas like Butterman, where they don't have uh, the Lidl or Aldi, uh, so they usually come over and they do their shopping. Yeah. And the whole town becomes very, very congested, and I think it's a significant health and safety hazard um, to the to the community living there. You said to me that there are a lot of blind spots, and when you're up high in a big truck, it's very yeah. hard to see everybody. Yeah, yeah. I was speaking to to our trucker who just uh, lives nearby, and uh, he told me that what happened is that they are very high on the on the truck, and what happened is that sometimes uh, there are people. Uh, they're not aware of the danger, and it becomes very difficult to to apply the brake suddenly. There are traffic traffic calming measures, but what happens then that uh, there are big trucks, big lorries when when they're swaying around the corner and twenty road, it becomes very hard for them to see who is actually crossing the road as yes. well. Older people and people with disabilities very nervous. I think some of them are even afraid to go out now. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are especially. I know. Um, I know few friends I've been living there for the 65 years and know a family. They have a special new child. Um, they have also made the similar concerns um, in relation to that. But the special need, the special would, the need wouldn't like the noise pollution around that because there's sense integration issues. And if, they, if there is a build-up, there is a congestion uh, and uh, even the pedestrian crossing, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, very, it, it's very obscure. You know, sometimes I think the most of the people find it really hard to use the pedestrian crossing yeah. because it's very, very busy and there's a lot of traffic. And sometimes what happens is that the traffic, uh, they just go over the pedestrian crossing as well. Sure. And I think it is making them more uh, nervous to go into the town. You can see why. Something else you mentioned, there's noise pollution, obviously. There's fumes yeah. and all that. But vibration, we wouldn't have thought of that one. Yeah, what happened is that when I'm living in, I'm just living very close to N20. I'm I'm there, I'm literally on the main road. So what happens is there is a big truck passing by, and uh, I could you could hear the vibration and the noise coming from from the from the traffic that is going through the town. Uh, especially if there is any event in Limerick or if there is any rugby event or any sports festival, mm. people people have to use the same N20 route, and uh, it, it, there's a lot of there are long queues, there are delays, and uh, there's a lot of um, big engines, you know, as you know, there are big engines, big heavy diesel engines. They yeah. create a lot of vibration. And I think it's, it impacts the people that, that have low threshold to the noise and especially the elderly population. Yeah. Sounds difficult. All right, Walker, thank you very much for your call. You're more than welcome. Thanks for your time. Cheers, Walker. Yeah, you, you would really haste to be...
um, trying to deal with that in Charleville, particularly if people are very worried by the tra- level of traffic and to hear of elderly people afraid to go out now because they're afraid they'd meet a truck or a bus in the street. Am I going to three, Emer? Yeah, Ger, you drive a truck. I, yeah. I do, yes. What would you like to say? Uh, well, literally I came through Charleville, what, 20 minutes ago. Okay. And um, first of all, there is a bend, yes, as you're coming in from the Limerick side, but what he's saying is totally wrong. You don't have to take any evasive action. You don't have to take a wide swing. There is loads of space there. Um, biggest problem is people not using the appropriate crossing zones. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest problem. Myself there, we stopped at the lights. The lights went green. I was in a line of traffic. We pulled away forward. 80 feet from the lights. What does a woman do in the middle of the street? Go to cross the street because it was the shortest thing instead of walking up to the safe crossing zone. And there are four or five crossings, I'm told. There is. There's two two or three. One, two, three on the main street straight away and a couple of others further out. You'd agree, though, wouldn't you, Ger? It's not ideal for big trucks to be going through a small town like that. No, I never, never has been. Look, I'm travelling up and down that road all my life. My parents are from up County Clare. I was born and raised in Cork. That, I'm listening to we're bypassing Charleville with 50 plus years. I know, I know. You, did you ever drive through? Did you ever drive to Callan in County Kilkenny? I have gone on. Do you, rem- do you remember yeah. what that was like before they bypassed it? I do. Yeah, one small bridge and two trucks meeting on it. The whole place held up for an hour. But you still get that in a lot of places wherever you go. And what he's saying is we can't see people. We can see people. Yeah. But they still walk. Yeah. You know, the view out of a truck, I can see what's going on quicker than you can in your car because I'm up so high, I can see it happening. You can see it happening. You can see it happening. But you're appealing, Ger, I think, as a truck driver, you're appealing to people in Charleville. Use the pedestrian crossing. Not, 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 not just Charleville. Really? Everywhere. Zebra crossings are there for a reason. Okay. Use the zebra crossings. I believe we do have a law called jaywalking in this country. It needs to be enforced. Okay, okay. It's a good point. It's one people might want to come back to. Ger, thank you, truck driver who regularly travels through Kinsale. Uh, they say Cork is Europe's jaywalking capital. You'd believe it. You'd believe it. Um, and people going around with their heads stuck on a screen while walking down the street. Listen, with the weather about to drastically improve, uh, be careful if you go to Kinsale. Be careful where you park the car if you go to Kinsale. Now, we think it's because they were illegally parked. It looks like it was they were illegally parked. But there's a load of cars in Kinsale have been the subject of a, what I call an unusual vigilante attack. That's, that's our word. It's also the word of the guy who, who put it up on Twitter, a photograph of a car with beans, baked beans and sausages thrown over it. Now, it looks like that horrible concoction where the sausages are in the tin with the beans. I don't know if you've ever tried to eat that, but you want to be fairly hungry. But <laughs> it's, it's funny, but it's not. Imagine coming back to your car, and there it is, and it covered in baked beans and sausages because you parked it illegally.
So with the weather about to improve drastically heading in towards next weekend, if you're going to Kinsale, be warned, I would suggest. Be warned. <laughs> Don't park illegally or you'll be trying to eat off the screen. Stop, stop, stop. All right, that's it. It was a good Monday. Program edited by Imar O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. And we'll talk again tomorrow morning just after nine. Just as I was finishing my radiotherapy, we were both sitting in the oncologist's office. He was my oncologist and my sister's, and he was also my mother's. (laughs) I was trying to be well for myself and for my family, but I was utterly heartbroken for my mother. The Corks 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Listen Thursday from 6 a.m. on Corks 96 FM. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.